you're listening to Maybe You're Like Me, the transparent musings of a God girl chasing after her purpose. Maybe You're Like Me is a podcast for dreamers and doers who take life's lessons and level up to look more like Christ. We'll connect through super relatable stories, growing pains, and aha moments that most of us share, just not always out loud. I'm your host, Alicia Watson, creative entrepreneur, playwright, author, wife, mother, daughter of the king, and so much more. And I can't help but to think that maybe you're like me. Hey, beautiful people. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Maybe You're Like Me with Alicia Watson. It's me, Alicia Watson, and I hope that you are doing amazing. It's July, y'all. It's my birthday month. Me and my friend Crystal, we celebrate all month long because we are July babies and this is our jam. This is our month. So I'm in a particularly good mood. I just came off a vacation with my family. Um, We went to Jamaica and it was fabulous. We had such a good time, me and my husband and uh, my children are spending so much needed time with family in Michigan. So maybe you're like me and you're learning to accept God's will above your own. How many things in life would we miss out on? if our doing them depended solely upon them turning out the way that we want them to. I mean, imagine joining a softball team and only showing up to play the game if you were guaranteed to win. Imagine starting a business and then immediately closing it down because not as many people as you wanted to showed up to the grand opening. Imagine never reconciling with your family member unless you could be certain that they would fall to their knees and apologize for all of the pain and hurt that they caused you. Man, none of us can predict the future. We can have experience-based evidence that things may turn out how we want them to, but we will never be sure about every single outcome. It's like one weekend, my family and I, we went and saw a movie that I didn't believe was particularly well done. I try not to judge other people's art, but you know, sometimes. I mean, it didn't hold my attention because it was boring, it was predictable, and I just couldn't go attached to any of the characters. I couldn't root for them, I didn't wanna see them, I didn't wanna learn more about them, it just wasn't really well done. At some point, I found myself waiting for the movie to just end, which is, that's, that's pretty bad. And on top of that, I knew how it would end. And it basically ended just like I thought it would. If I knew that movie would have been disappointing beforehand, I never would have gone. Life can be pretty mundane like that at times, but it's life's plot twists and turns that wake us up, that break our hearts, that cause us stress or joy, worry or giddy anticipation. And during those unpredictable times, we as God's children turn to him with requests for him to step in and change things. And we do that because we know that he can and we hope that he will. Those times in life require us to work our faith. Hebrews 11.1 reminds us that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. That's what our faith is. Faith makes our hopes feel palpable. It makes our hopes feel real. Our faith is the thing that we possess that makes what we hope for possible. It's like when you sit down. You hope that your chair will be able to bear your weight and because you have faith, you sit down. And because you sit down, it proves to you that the chair can bear your weight and your faith is justified. It's a simplistic example, I know, but faith is a simplistic concept. Just having faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain, right? Let's look at Matthew 17, 14 through 21, where Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. It says, when they came to the crowd, 
A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Even if Jesus tells us we can move mountains with our faith alone, most of us will never be able to see that come to pass because we rationalize the idea away. A mountain is big, it's ancient, stationary, immovable, according to what we've learned. And yet, this is what Jesus told us and showed us. First, we have to have faith that Jesus knows what he's talking about, and then we have to have faith in our faith. We need childlike faith. Childlike faith means believing like children believe. Like children lack experience, they lack understanding, they trust adults, and they have faith that the adults in their lives care about them and are able to take care of them. In fact, they usually are clueless of what's even required to take care of them. That's how we should be. We complicate faith with our need to control or to understand or to make sense of things, but it's amazing what's possible with God if we just believe. Faith releases us from the idea that we cannot bear things above our pay grades. Faith acknowledges that God is sovereign and that he is provident. And what we know and believe about his character and faith enables us to trust him with our lives and the outcomes of all circumstances. Like, even if those outcomes aren't what we desire, it's not what we want, it doesn't go down the way that we want it to. Even if we sit down and it's the one time the chair doesn't hold us up, our understanding is that we could fall on the ground, but with God, we also could float. God is not limited to our science. He's not limited to our understanding or our experience or our opinions. He's not even limited to our options. We have limited options. He doesn't. It's why Peter could walk on water until he doubted, until he lost his faith. But even when he lost his faith in himself and his own ability, he didn't lose faith in Jesus. He knew to call out and he knew that Jesus could, would, and did save him. When God decides to do what he wants to do with our obedient actions, with our lives, with our families, with our friends, with our health, we may be disappointed and end up pouting like children, just like Jonah. But that drives home the point that we are not responsible for the outcome of what we are doing, what we're called to do. We are responsible for our obedience. Even if things go south, we can learn from the experience or we can be comforted by the father or both. See, the issue with Jonah is that he was right. What he predicted that God would do, God did. God relented. God didn't destroy the city of Nineveh, whom Jonah hated. And that's exactly why he didn't want to go in the first place. But God did what God wanted, which was his right to do as God. Because above all, he's God above all. We're here to serve him, not the other way around. And we get that twisted. Instead of ruminating on what went wrong and why God didn't do what we wanted him to do, we should instead be focused on what God wants to do next. Sometimes the assignment serves double duty. In Jonah's case, it's pointing out the flaws of the Ninevites, but also the lack of mercy and compassion of Jonah, and by extension, us. The story of Jonah shows us us and how we can be sometimes, how we can be on track to do the thing that God wants us to do and decide that we're not going to do it because we know that God's not going to behave the way that we want him to behave. 
It's the simple things like seeing the man on the corner and feeling that prompt to give him money and deciding that you're not going to give that man money because you don't know what he's going to do with it. Is he going to drink it up? Is he going to smoke it? Is he going to waste it? Is that your business? It's not. If you're prompted to give him the money, give him the money. Your obedience is your responsibility. The reaction or the response, it's not. But in that moment, it shows one, that we're trying to control things. Two, that we don't have faith that whatever we give out will be given back to us. Like it's not a waste. Even if he goes and smokes it up and drinks it up or does whatever he does with it, that's not our business. And our faith is in God and not in our ability to change someone else's life. If we are able to change someone else's life through our actions, it's because God puts his seal on it, his approval on it, his extra stank on it. It's nothing that we do in our own strength, but in God's. With God, all things are possible. With man, it's impossible, even as Jesus said, but with God, all things are possible. So don't give up or despair because God didn't do what you want him to do or you didn't get the result that you wanted to get because it's not your will that needs to be done. It's God's will. Jonah didn't get his way and he was mad about it. He was mad to the point of death. Like literally, he just wanted to die. And it's funny because at one point in the story, death seemed imminent, but God provided a great fish and rescued Jonah. And he was thankful for it. He was repentant. He was a team player at that point. That is until the next time he didn't get his way. We may shake our heads at Jonah's response to a situation like this, but what happens when the situation is more dire, more threatening? What happens when we feel that God only has one way to show up our way and then he doesn't? I mean, do we start to feel like Jonah? Like it would be better if we were removed from the situation altogether. Like I didn't get this promotion for this job. So now I'm just going to (laughs) quit. I'm just going to go out and do something else altogether. Can I stay here and still serve and still show up and do the best that I can? knowing that it may not be my season for a promotion or it may not be God's will for this promotion because he has something else for me to do, that having this promotion might take away my time and attention and focus to do those things. There comes a point that we have to concede to God's sovereignty. I think I'm at that point right now. I'm at the point of knowing that I can ask God for things, for favor, for mercy, for grace, but also knowing that if he doesn't, he's still worthy of my praise, my trust, my faithfulness, my obedience, my reverence. Just like the three Hebrew boys that got thrown into the furnace. Before they got thrown into the furnace, they pledged their allegiance to God because they were more afraid of God than they were of the king. That's how I am in this season of my life. I'm in a but even if he doesn't mood. Like I'm gonna ask him and I know that he can, but even if he doesn't, you can't get me to stop serving him. You can't get me to stop loving him. You can't get me to stop trusting him, not fully. I be mad at him like Jonah, but I still know my place. But it takes a while to get there because as humans, we want God to show up in the way that we want him to show up. But in reality, we have to leave space for him to be God in our lives and in the lives of others. We have to trust and believe he's provident in the way that he sees what's happening all over the world and beyond at every second in time, past, present, and future. We have to agree with his plan and his ways. Even when we don't understand them, we reverently fear him. Most of us have either heard a parent say or have been the parent to say, because I said so. It's a discussion ender. Why? Because it's a parent's authoritative prerogative to pass down instructions with an expectation of those instructions being obeyed. Because parents are in charge. For a lot of parents, the conversation ends there. For me, sometimes I provide an explanation to my children to help them to understand my point of view. Not because I have to, I am in charge after all, but because I want them to be able to move in ways that would be pleasing to me, even when I'm not around. 
Jonah's posture of wanting his own way is laughable to us reading, right? What we need is a posture of reverence that's independent of whether or not God does what we want him to do. God is God independent of us. He doesn't have to wait on us, nor does he need our permission to do anything. What I've had to learn in the season is that when God doesn't show up how you want him to, we have to go on living, trusting and moving in faith with the belief that he knows exactly what he's doing. And what he is doing is ultimately, ultimately for our good and for his glory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean onto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will tell you the way to go. Not my will, Lord, your will be done because I trust you, because I know you know better than me. I know you see more than me. I know you perceive more than me. If you can say this with me, if you can feel this, then I need you to declare it to God today. Take out a journal, write down all your feelings and submit them to the Lord. Become like a child in your faith. Submitting things that you don't understand to him. Don't lean onto your understanding. It's limited. Instead, submit your understanding to him. Let him give you knowledge and wisdom. Let him direct your paths. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, and he was praying, Lord, if there's any way that this cup may pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. He prayed that prayer because he knew that there was a way that that cup could pass. But it's not the way that God willed. Jesus went through his ministry doing things to fulfill prophecy. He knew that this was the path, that this was God's will. Yet he loved God and understood God enough to pray in faith that if I petition, you may relent and you may change the trajectory of things. Nevertheless, I can't force your hand and your will is better than mine. It is a great reference point for us when we are praying. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your will, not mine. I know that there are some of you who are going through things that are praying and your hope and your will is that it turns out a certain way. But my prayer is that you can submit your will to his and be able to say in genuine faith, not my will, but yours. Because even as Jesus had to suffer, even as he was an example for us in that suffering undeservedly, like some of us feel ourselves, like the things that we're going through, we do not deserve. If we're able to submit that, even as we go through this, God is not really abandon us, that God is not caught off guard by what we're going through, that even if it does hurt us, even if it does disappoint us, it is still in his will and that his will is greater than ours. That Jesus in that moment could feel the pain and the disappointment and the fear of going through what he knew he was going through. But in the end, he would rise and sit at the right hand of God and he will reconcile us, God's children, to God through that action. That he would understand that not his will, but God's will be done. What in your life have you asked God for that he said no to? That you've experienced, that you understand that now I see why you did that, God. I see why your will was greater than mine. I'm glad that you didn't give me what I've asked for. I know a lot of you can probably think of a relationship or two that you thought would last. That would be... <laughs> your fairy tale, and you're so glad that God did not say yes to that man or that woman. But in the moment, it was the only thing you wanted, that relationship, that commitment. We have limited foresight. 
God is in the future right now. Even in this moment, he can see our future. He's in our future. This is why it's important to submit to his will because he's going to do things, work things all together for your good and his glory because he knows how the story ends. Jesus could submit because he knew how the story would end. If you're walking through a hard season, this is not where the story ends. You're walking through this too shall pass. Continue in obedience and gratitude, thankful for God's grace and mercy. Continue in gratitude and trust, knowing that God loves you, God sees you, and that he knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and give you a future because you are his and you are loved. Well, that's all I have for you today. I hope you have a wonderful week. Okay, bye.